0: We are back. Did you miss us? I'm sure you guys missed us, right? Like, it's been a while.
1: It has been. Well, it's been like a month, but it feels like it's been a year.
0: Yeah, I think it was a little bit longer of a break than we intended, but, you know, we we were figuring it out. Yes. We're back. Um, And the first sort of business is we need to talk about the new Fallout Boy album. Speaking
1: <laughs> of being back, the boys are back.
0: When we did our 2022 recap, we were like, uh, no one's really announced anything for next year. And then this week there's been like 200 albums I know. really are announced. I've yes. already
1: planned three shows this week.
0: That's... Alone. That's big. hmm Nothing's coming close yet that I want to see. But Fallout Out Boy's back. The single fucks. Mm-hmm. Hard. The video has all these cool little hidden Easter eggs that I haven't watched the video. I just keep seeing screenshots yeah. on Twitter um but the album drops on my 30th birthday and i'm never gonna let anyone forget that fact
1: it's like a sign
0: it is a sign we're gonna I kinda hate the cover everyone's talking about how good the covers i don't love the cover but with the
1: doberman pincher yeah i just it's don't fine. like the text
0: yeah i think if they had just done the dog picture with no text it would be a better album cover yeah. than
1: so we're gonna be jamming your, this album during your 30th birthday party
0: no, because my party has a theme, but the theme is to be announced.
1: Oh, it's themed. It's themed. Ooh, that'll be fun.
0: I'm making the invite now. <laughs> <laughs> Working on this ahead of time. Yes. Uh, this is not a Fallout Boy podcast today. It uh, probably will be one at some day point. It shall. Um, but it's in the same vein.
1: Then we'll get there. It's, yeah. We already have some two thousand artists planned well, for this year.
0: Today's episode is is very in that vein. 90s, 2000 yeah. yeah yeah it fits so uh I'm Leah I'm Bethann and this is She where
1: are they getting a dump in a CPS executive meeting no bitch don't touch my thermostat <laughs> the ghost be like hold up before I haul you let me turn down the thermostat who <laughs> <This> is <bad. laughs> this man we are on page 1 guys <laughs> this is She there's a
0: T-Rex in her TV Oh, I've never so seen is. that Roku skin. That's very cute.
1: Yeah, they like to do little animated. Uh, I always had the ocean one thingies. Yeah, but
0: now we have a fire TV, and it just has like this picture of a desert on it. You can't change it.
1: Damn Bezos,
0: Jeff Bezos. I'm surprised it's
1: not Blue Origin. <laughs> just like the ship itself. It is and facts. the most
0: boring basic windows xp stock photo
1: i'm telling you the roku tv is where it's at
0: i didn't choose to have a fire tv
1: oh that's true
0: it was it was only option so
1: yeah well we don't really have any announcements uh, (laughs) because because we haven't been doing anything we've been off for like a month and a half but we're back we're here and we're talking about you can buy our merch (laughs) that's true (laughs) buy some merch um but today we are talking about now you think i would have fucking had my notes pulled up Why would I do that? You only
0: had a month to prepare.
1: Only had a month to prepare? We always
0: have a month to prepare, and yet we're always here, (laughs) scrambling at the last second.
1: (laughs) Ain't that the truth. (laughs) So, hello, and welcome to the band responsible for turning your older brother into the person he became today, poop and dick jokes included.
0: I've never been happier to not have an older brother.
1: Oh, let let me tell you something. It was wild during the 90s to have an older brother. And listen to bands, although he listened to Blink once in a while, but he got like way past and he was too cool for him. So he went to more heavier, more heavier stuff at that point. Um, but during my break, you know, I had some extra- extracurricular activities. I played Dreamlight Valley, played same. Lego Star Wars, it's not same, read the what to buy on Amazon lists. <laughs> <laughs> but most importantly, I was researching slash watching TikTok. Mm. and i happen to get a, and i don't know why the algorithm does this to me or the site but i tend to get a lot of alien shit thrown my way you really do i think it's because i grew up in the town that was like Mm -hmm. responsible as the northeast hotspot. it's called pine bush new york they have an alien day like they started like after i had left and then josh's family is from roswell so i don't know what the site is trying to tell me uh, unless it is led up to this day of where i talk about blink 182 um so here we are and some of you are like what the hell does aliens have to do with blink 182 my friend have you been on twitter <laughs> have you looked at tom DeLong? don't worry we'll talk about him later that's right he was abducted by aliens he wasn't abducted he start well we'll talk about Who, wait, it
0: Wait, someone was abducted earth claims they were abducted by aliens recently
1: Ooh, i don't know like a rocker yeah it's probably like fucking it was brett like michaels year. or something i don't remember anyway
0: Demi lovato is also really into aliens right now so maybe maybe she was abducted
1: it could be but i'll talk we'll get into that later but i do want to say what's kind of interesting is like i i'm going to be reading this outline and this is one of the very few times where i was reading it and i'm like this should be a fucking movie like, I need a Blink-182 movie We're now. We're, like, 10 years away. We're about 10 years away. And considering uh, Travis is married to a Kardashian, we may be getting closer than we think.
0: Every time I, learn, I like, remember specific facts about punk rock men, I just make a face.
1: Sorry, I'm, like, fumbling with my fucking iPad, like I'm a fucking It wants chump. you to
0: insert some emojis right there.
1: It's like, I've never fucking held an <laughs> iPad up to this point. Come back from one fucking hiatus and it's like everything goes to shit. <laughs> let's get into it. So let's talk about the boys, if you will, the boys behind the band. And we're going to start with Mark Hoppus. And this is the first time I've been on a wiki page and they didn't do the standard. He was born on this date here. It just said he was raised near DC.
0: <laughs> the alien just <laughs> dropped him off. Yeah, they just dropped
1: him off and said peace.
0: <laughs> the DC people raised him.
1: Yeah. Um, And then he moved to Cali later in his life, but he was born on March 15th, 1972. Um, Part of the reason for the move, his dad worked for the Department of Defense and designed like missiles and shit. So that's kind of cool. And yet his son would be known for telling fart jokes on stage. (laughs) Makes you think, doesn't it?
0: I mean, that's every dad's dream.
1: I know. Um, His parents got divorced when he was eight and he actually moved with his father to a different location in California called Monterey, California. Um, his dad was very instrumental in introducing him to music like the Beatles, Elton John, all that fun stuff. Now up to um, high school, he wanted to be a skateboarder. Like that was his thing.
0: He was a skater boy.
1: Yeah. Um, he was a skater boy. He said,
0: see you later boy.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Wasn't good enough for her. Um, but you know, he was a normal kid. Sorry in high school he started getting into skateboarding up to that point he was just you know glasses sitting in the nerd yeah school with a polo shirt nothing nothing interesting um and then he was gifted a bass guitar for his birthday He didn't steal it he didn't this steal is an it. important fact this is you know say what you will about blink 22 but they have class <laughs> and so he was gifted it and it was all over folks um, he never took lessons, been said he learned by playing along with bands like Bad Religion, The Cure, Descendants. Um, he even started dressing like Robert Smith from The Cure, <laughs> which is just so adorable to me. And I would love to see photos They've Like when, exist. when they're pulling the movie together. I want photos presented like at the end where they're like, now, Mark, these days is at his uh, Malibu mansion. And it's just pictures of him dressing like Robert Smith. I want that. Um, when he graduated high school in 1990, he shortly joined a band called of all things while in the band, he moved to San Diego where he worked during the weekdays and drove back to play shows on the weekend. Now you're probably thinking, man, what a cool manager that believes in encouraging Mark to pursue his passions no that did not happen instead and i do not endorse this he told his manager he was working with mentally disabled children on the weekends oh which is not funny but it's also like i think he was talking about his bandmates
0: oh no (laughs) that's
1: terrible (laughs) it's terrible do not do that Uh, um but his manager found out and stopped letting him off on weekends so there's that yeah let's move over to tom DeLong. Um, the originator, the grandfather, if you will, the founding father of the Hoi Minoy voice, as I referred to it. You know it if you heard it, that nasally Hoi yes. Minoi. Hoi Minoi. Hoi Minoi. Um, Thomas Matthew DeLong was born on December 13th, 1975 in Poway. Why was that
0: the example we used? Why wasn't, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> <And> I'm <laughs> we just <went> so sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we just went straight. Dude, I saw a TikTok. This reminded me. And it was this video of a dude filming a cow. And he's like, look at this emo cow. And he goes, where are moo? <laughs> it was cute.
0: He needs to hang out with a emo tractor girl.
1: Yeah. No, for real. Um, so he was born on December 13th, 1975 in Poway, California. His life also consisted of two things early on. Skateboarding and punk. Um There's a theme here. In fact, he started skateboarding in the third grade. Which is kind of nuts to me. I don't know why. It seems like a middle school thing. In sixth grade, his two friends gifted him a cheap guitar. In seventh grade, he started a one-man band called Big Oily Men.
0: Ew! That is by far the worst
1: oh. name we have ever heard on this show. But throughout his school years, he would put in the minimal work to get a C. <laughs> <laughs> And then go skateboarding, followed by playing guitar loudly in his room afterwards. Respect. Now, while in this high school, he would meet a girl named Ann Hoppus. And Ann would introduce Tom to her older brother. Ah. But we're jumping ahead a little bit. I want to talk about Travis Barker. And for those wondering, like, I had the intentions of covering their first drummer, Scott Raynor, in this section. But there's, like, nothing about his upbringing. So, you know, we just skipped him. We went straight to the goat, Travis. He was, Travis. There. The he was there. He existed. Uh, Travis Barker was born November 14th, 1975 in Fontana, California. His mom gifted him a drum set at the age of three. And he played on that drum set till age 15.
0: That was a bold decision, but okay.
1: Yeah. Um, Growing up, he also followed the same, you know, path of punk and skateboarding. But unlike the rest of the dudes, he actually took lessons, played other instruments for a while. But I think Tom played the trumpet for a little bit. Before he started high school, his mom sadly passed away from an autoimmune disease, but she said to keep pursuing his dreams, which is real sweet. After high school, uh, Travis would pass through a couple bands while working as a trash man. He eventually joined this band. Called the Aquabats.
0: Yeah, I've heard of the Aquabats.
1: Okay, do you know anything about this band?
0: I can picture one of their album covers, but I don't know anything else.
1: So let me tell you about this band because I went on a whole deep dive. I gotta find of course. this album
0: cover because I gotta make sure I'm right, of the right. Let one. me
1: describe them to you while you're looking that up, and I'm sure you'll arrive to the same conclusion of how the hell did Travis land with this band? So the Aquabats is a ska punk band. Where they are concept artists. Their concept, as Leah is shaking her head, is dressing up all the same, this which looks is
0: like a bad version of the wiggles. Yes,
1: yes, very much so. And that's an interesting point. We're going to hold on to that. Um, which is normal for Ska for them to all dress up the same. But instead of like a five piece suit, they dress up in superhero esque <laughs> clothing. <laughs> and their whole bit is they're a superhero band fighting villains with Ska. And they also started, started in a show called the Aquabats Super Show. See, member Christian Jacobs was also the co-creator of Nick Jr.'s Yo Gabba Gabba.
0: That feels very on brand. Yes. They have a lot of albums.
1: They do. And then they had their own show on The Hub. I don't know what that is. I don't either. Um, that ran from 2012 to 2014. And then they started a Kickstarter campaign and brought it back. But it is... Wild, this like is, I, I was watching some of their music videos, and they're just goofy dudes. It doesn't goofy, remind me as fun.
0: much of Yo Gabba Gabba. It reminds me of Lazy Town.
1: Yeah, very much Lazy Town esque. I feel that. So very interesting how Travis came from there.
0: This is not what I expected to be seeing today.
1: Nope, not at all. Anyway, let's get into the band beginnings. Like I mentioned earlier, it's 1992, and Ann Hoppus is introduced her brother. Mark to her friend Tom who is looking to start a band. Now you have two gentlemen who love punk, skateboarding and stupid boy jokes. Mm. Did we just become best friends? Yep. This is the plot of Step Brothers. This 100% is the, is the plot of Step Brothers. They immediately clicked and started hanging and jamming in Tom's garage, writing songs together. There's also this sentence from Wiki, quote, Hoppus, hoping to impress DeLong, fell from a lamppost in front of DeLong's home and cracked his ankles, putting him in crutches for three weeks. Parkour. This would not be the only time a band member would do this to impress someone.
0: That's dedication.
1: (laughs) This is so this is pre-jackass. So like.
0: (laughs) They invented jackass. Yeah, they,
1: they, they were definitely influential in the jackass creation where they're like, let me show you some stupid shit I can pull off.
0: That feels on brand.
1: 100% shortly after tom brings his friend in scott Rayner to play drums and now they are a trio now the first band name they chose was duct tape which isn't terrible no that's not bad it was they felt it was a little too silly by their standards but the aquabats is and fine the, the aquabats is totally fine <laughs> <laughs> so they landed on blink
0: okay just
1: blink let's talk about the band's first show um and this is coming from a wonderful book which I have right here because I'm going to reference it quite a bit. And it's called sellout. Uh, the major label feeding frenzy that swept punk emo and hardcore from Dan Ozzy, which I happen to own a signed copy that Josh nice. got me for Christmas. Aww. It's very cool. I love it. Um, so the band's first show is at a bar called gorilla Pip. And there is only two people in attendance, the bartender and a patron. Ah. That's it. So the band plays their first song. And the bartender comes over and says, hey, hey boys, can you turn it down a little bit? And they're like, sure. They go into their second song and he goes, it's still a little too loud. Just turn it down a little more. And they go, sure. They play their third song. And by the third time, the bartender comes over and says, hey, guys, can you like stop playing? We'll give you guys Snapple. So, Snapple? The- <laughs> So, the, you know, they got Snapple for okay. their first show. They got paid in Snapple. Why not? Uh, but the band's not disappointed. If anything, they are fine with this because... There there's been like a fire laid under these guys. And these dudes, unlike most punk bands of the time, have decided they want to make it big. So they're basically like, you know, they're gonna hustle with like a capital H and you gotta give it to them. You know, I feel like some bands they hustle for the art, but then these guys are like, No, we're hustling to get it big, like to be famous. Okay. So they start booking shows wherever they can find them around the San Diego area even to a point where DeLong would call high schools and convince them that Blink was quote, a motivational band with a strong anti-drug <laughs> message. I respect it. I, I respect it. I'm telling you the band would also pass out cassette recordings of their early songs to different consignment music stores and something interesting starts happening. Um, the band is getting really well known in the skateboarding scene and when Hoppus would go back to the stores, they would be sold out. So the band takes this as a cue and they're like, well, I guess we should put together a more high quality demo than what we had. So they record a tape. It's like, I think it's called Buddha. Um, they credit on the tape, they thank Snapple, <laughs> of course, and that bartender. And they also thank the adult film industry oh my God. and the guys who made fun of Tom's dick in second grade. <laughs> I I like that. <laughs> See, you know, I'm not one for you know, kind of slapstick humor, but these boys, you, you gotta admit, they're they're kind of funny. Um, so the band starts developing after that record a really large following among the skaters, who go and pass their demos around and start opening shows. Um, they they would start opening shows for other bigger punk bands. But soon, they would start doing their own headlining shows, which means it's time to start looking for a record deal. Now, in the indie punk scene of California, the label to be on was Cargo Records, but the owner behind Cargo Records thought Blink was a little bit too bouncy for their very serious punk style. Mm. However, his son is a big Blink fan,
0: Mm.
1: and was like begging his dad to sign him and he wasn't going for it so finally his son sneaks up one of the blink demo tapes into his cassette player in the car and that just finally does the trick where he's just like fine fine i'll sign him but he won't sign him to cargo he signs him to a sub label called grilled cheese that's specifically <laughs> specifically designed for pop punk
0: that's a great label name
1: it is it's very good so the band records their first album called chester Cat. That dropped on February 17th, 1995. The band was on a very tight budget and recorded it in three days. Oh, shit. Yeah, pretty pretty short timeline. Uh, but the trade-off was they got to record it in the studio that is like one of their favorite bands recorded in, which was Bad Religion. Um, Fun fact, Tom broke one of the mics of Bad Religion guitarist Brett Gerwitz. Whoops. Yep, sorry about that. So with the new record pressed, the music label wasn't really supportive of the band, which is kind of dumb. You're going to sign a band, be supportive, but yeah. that's just my two cents. That's too hard. Um, so they were actually taking bets of how many copies it would sell. And the median was like a little bit over a thousand. Now that would go sell way more than that. It sold around 50,000 copies by 1996. And then eventually would sell 250,000 copies in 2001. So jokes on them. After the first album came out, the band, particularly Mark, is put in between a rock and a hard place. Because at the time, he's attending college to become an English teacher. But he wants to stay with his, his band. So he goes to his mom and asks for advice. And she's like, you can always go back to college. Fair point. Yeah, it's a very good point. So Mark quits school and he's like, I think we need to do this full time. And so the whole band pretty much goes full time. They find manager Ricky DeVoe, who is integral to getting Blink in their prime spot, if you will. And it's mainly because he calls in a lot of favors. Mm. We'll talk about that later. But at the time um, he was behind bands, No Effects, Pennywise, The Offspring. So some really big heavy hitters. And once again, how does this band get this catch? Well, Mark calls and won't stop calling him until he says yes to be his manager. An effective strategy. Look, we are a motivational band with an anti-drug message, Rick.
0: You want to support, you want to be our manager. You
1: want to be it. I'm telling you. So the band is going strong for a few years up until they get a very nice phone call from Dublin. And you see, there's another Blink band across the pond. Mm. But they're instead a funk pop rock group. They have a song called Is God Really Groovy?
0: Oh, yeah. So easy to mix these two bands yeah, very, up. Very,
1: very much. They're so similar. <laughs> and so the band needs a new name. Uh, and the band thought about it for weeks. And they just said, you know what? Add 182 for it. It has no purpose. <laughs> it means absolutely nothing. It just sounds cool. But the band, of course, would make up stories. They said, it's inspired by the amount of times Al Pacino says fucking Scarface.
0: That is the, the, not at all what I would have guessed they would have said, but well, okay. Well, they, they
1: made up a bunch of other ones, but I just thought that was the funniest one. That is. The band continues to tour their album and starts booking really big gigs. The first is for a tour that promotes a surf movie called Good Times. Uh, it features bands like Seven Seconds and Unwritten Law. On stop one of this tour in Jacksonville, Florida, Tom is arrested for drinking in public. The band responds by making fun of him. And taking pictures of him in the police car. Oh my God. Uh, The next tour they go on is across Australia and Alaska. I don't know why they're choosing the two polar opposites they could possibly get. Very far apart. Very far apart. Polar opposites. Um, Anyway, so they start touring with a band called Pennywise. Now, here's where the favors come in because Rick DeVoe. And I don't know how he's this good at his job. He convinces Pennywise to bring them on tour with him and pay for Blink's plane tickets out of their own pockets. I see nothing wrong with this. And and the only draw was Rick used to manage them. They're friends. I have no clue how this deal worked out. But the tour was pure chaos. You thought Motley Crue was something? Punks are having like Roman candle wars while (laughs) naked in the hotel room. That's jackass level yeah exactly uh doors were being broken uh they somehow got a hold of a bb gun and were firing it off in the hotel no
0: i'm surprised that like hotels to this day still let celebrities stay there because I know. of these antics
1: well to be fair if they're in australia and they see a big ass spider i kind of get it i would but also get a bb gun
0: the other stuff you don't need a roman candle in a hotel
1: no 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 no. there's no reason so obviously Blink is not above doing some wild ass pranks and keep mine in uh, this is pre jackass times like Leah and I discussed, but I have to read you this excerpt from this book because it is like so fucking funny. Let me pull it up real quick. Okay. In particular, Blink learned not to pull pranks on Pennywise, specifically their gargantuan guitarist quote. They tried to fuck with me says the six foot drug quote one night in Alaska they piled up four feet of snow in front of my hotel door but they were stupid because the door opened in (laughs) so it didn't block me in I opened the door while they were doing it and I was like oh you're all fucked now The last night of that tour, I got five people and bought spray bottles full of Tabasco and a 25 foot extension cord with the ends of it stripped. So there were hot wires on the end. So basically it was 120 volt cattle prod, which is pretty bad. So we kicked their door down, fire extinguished them, disabled them by squirting them with Tabasco sauce in their eyes and electrocuted them. I think Mark jumped out (laughs) of the second story window into a snow bake in his underwear just to get out of the room
0: what that's not a prank that's full on warfare
1: <laughs> this is what they do that's man not okay that's straight like you can't electrocute je- people no you can't you cannot electrocute people it's just i don't even know how you come up with a prank like that
0: where do you find a spray bottle of tabasco that does not come that way
1: <laughs> i think they literally empty tabasco into some hairspray that doesn't bottles. work that way Like water bottle sprays. I don't know. That's
0: disgusting. Well, that's what they did. This does not. Boys are built different.
1: (laughs) They truly are. Especially skater boys in the 90s. So after the success of that tour, they stumble upon another little tour being put together for skateboarders and punk kids alike. Hmm. Blink had the opportunity to be one of the first bands on, I think, the first Warp Tour. It could have been the second it was kind of not clear on wiki um but they actually had an interesting arrangement with the founder of warp tour kevin lyman blink was allowed to ride along on his tour bus if the band did press for the tour which is wild to think that mark hoppus and tom DeLong were given such power
0: they were the face of the tour
1: i know and it's like to be fair the press room was just like a bunch of kids with high school papers (laughs) (laughs) in a random mall parking lot so stakes were low at the time but have still a
0: legal pad a pencil that's all i got
1: that's exactly right um but then again who brokered this deal rick devoe on that particular tour the band started to get some flack from other punk bands because they're like you know we've gone over this time time again when one band starts to succeed they're a sellout that's the title of the book um and blink from the beginning we're like no listen We wanted to get famous. Yeah, (laughs) like, like, we're like, you know, where most punk bands like it's all about the music. They're like, fuck, yeah, we want to be a famous band. We
0: would like money. Thank you. Yes.
1: Um, But Mark Hoppus had an interesting take on the whole sellout thing that I think is really smart. He says, quote, I don't think the way a lot of people do that if you go to a major label, you're a sellout or whatever. As long as you stay true to your style of music and don't get a big head about it and stay true to your fans. I think that's a good perspective Mm -hmm. on it. I think what's also interesting about this band is that they kind of knew what they were getting into. Like they kind of had a projection. You know how we always see bands that, grow, that blow up too fast? Yes, they blew up too fast, but I feel like because they were anticipating it, they were able to like fare it a little bit better. Not great, but still a little bit better. So that first tour, the band started playing on small stages, but that quickly changed after the second album dude ranch around this time cargo records is getting acquired by mca records which was a major label it's almost as if it's all falling in blink's lap but during this transition the band wanted to go with epitaph records because all their music heroes are on that label but at the end they decided to go mca because they offered more money which i get but at this point uh drummer scott rayner is beginning to put him like some distance between him and the other members one, he really wanted to be on that um, rec on Epitaph Records, and he was really pissed they went with the MCA. Two, he was losing his passion, and three, he was having some personal issues, and his drinking was up. Mm. So it's never a good combo. Uh, but he does stay for the recording of this and some subsequent, 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 <laughs> subsequent, subsequent, subsequent. <laughs> he stays for a couple shows. <laughs> afterwards however he did run into some issues at the beginning of recording because he he broke both of his feet right before recording after celebrating too hard and jumping off the second story don't jump off shit this is what they do they always jump off shit don't do it i'm not going to talk too much about dude ranch because we need to get to the next record and talk about it more in depth but a couple important facts to know the first one being um one of the greatest punks punk songs ever written damn it is on this record and then second the band was going to do a macarena parody <laughs> called hey wipe your anus but mca said no because it couldn't <laughs> afford the licensing <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> when the album was released on june 17th 1997 it was doing okay for the indie scene selling like three to four thousand copies a week when warp tour 97 came around The band is playing on a much bigger stage and you know, they had some witty canter, if you will, where they would say shit, fuck and other sexual terms on stage. Mm. And so all those skater boys were like, bro, you got to check out this band. They (laughs) said the word come on stage wild, bro. (laughs) Uh,
0: Boys are so easily.
1: (laughs) You got to check them out, bro, bro. bro. Uh, But it was the combo of their music and stage presence that boosted their recognition very random do you remember i'm not going to mention names whenever someone pointed out do women call each other bro and i'm like what (laughs) who
0: who asked this
1: (laughs) i don't remember this yeah i do no it (laughs) was dude he's like is it all right for another woman to call another woman dude and we're like what (laughs) (laughs) you gotta
0: leave that in there We bleep his name out
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna bleep the name out
0: I, don't uh, remember I remember that. I remember that.
1: It came up in huddle too.
0: Dude.
1: Dude. Dude. <laughs> I call
0: everyone dude.
1: Uh, it's and man. bro. Bro and dude. That's how I function. Uh, but it was the combo of their music and stage presence that really boosted the recognition. And the next thing to help them climb the charts was the introduction of "Damn It" on radios in August. They played a song called "Damn It" on the radio. Yeah. But they didn't have the word damn it in it. But it's called damn it. I don't know how they, they got around that.
0: And next up, damn it by Blink-182. I
1: don't know how the FCC, especially after the yeah. four years, got away with this one. Yeah. Um, so in August, they were playing on local radio stations. In November, they were getting played nationwide. And in December, their video debuted on MTV and started making its round, which I recommend everyone watch the music video because it's really dorky cute. Like, I love a good, dorky, cute video. And by 1998, they were certified gold. So it's around this time we say goodbye to Scott Rayner.
0: Bye.
1: Band told him to go to rehab after a really bad fight. And then he went and they still said bye. (laughs) Never mind. Kind of shitty, but. You can't sit with us. Yeah, exactly. But I think the reason why this decision was made was because, well, they met a drummer from the Aquabats. And he was a sub in and uh, he was too fucking good. And And he's pop punk Jesus. And he's pop punk Jesus. And I think the two of them, like the two bands were touring at the time. uh, Travis learned their entire sets in 45 minutes. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. And Christian Jacobs, I think it was Christian Jacobs from the Aquabats said like, when he saw Travis subbing in and practicing with the band, he didn't know why he didn't immediately start looking for a new drummer. Like he even recognized this is the fit. Mm. This is where he's supposed to be, um, and also Travis bring a lot of different styles to his punk drumming because he did like a lot of jazz growing up and all this different Ska. things. So, exactly. So he really brings this really unique blend, and I think personally he's like one of the best drummers that we've had, if not the best drummer of that genre by yeah. far.
0: Yeah.
1: But now it's time to talk about the album, the one you saw in Fye and Hot Topic shirts alike. The one when your mom saw how the nurse was dressed Mm. and she had a lot of second thoughts. Mm. Just don't tell your mom it was a model from the adult film industry and you'll be fine. You'll be absolutely okay. Um, But that's right. The third album, Enema of the State. For this record, the band wanted to work with producer mastermind behind Green Day's Dookie, which was a very smart move. Mm. His name is Jerry Finn. And they had more time to record compared to last time. They were given three months, which is... Not, bear, not bad, not bad. A little short, but not terrible. Um, So Travis didn't need the three months because he recorded a majority of his tracks in eight hours.
0: <laughs> He's just a speed run of everything. He literally,
1: like literally. So when I think about him working today with a lot of like bands, I'm like, how the fuck is he doing? And then I'm like reminded. It probably takes him 15 minutes. He He's literally like, walks in 15 minutes, says, all right, let me know if you need anything else and he leaves. goes, record. Yep. Yeah. Stop send G- goodbye one one take <laughs> uh but anyway so but it was mark and tom they were doing you know multiple singing and instrument takes and all that kind of fun stuff and you know they needed time for pranks as well so one prank included travis barker kept sneak- sneaking in vibra slaps those ones that go boing the b- big bo- boing noise if you listened you would know it okay um
0: all i can think of is the door stopper noise
1: it's very similar okay. to that And it was Finn's least favorite instrument, (laughs) so he kept sneaking it into all the tracks to piss him off. Another shenanigan was the band would be having a normal recording day, and in the lulls, the dudes would just get naked and jump on Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry was a good sport about it. (laughs) And the band would say, "We'll never work with anyone else. Only Jerry. Jerry is the guy." They have marked him as their own. Yeah, that's what <laughs> it was. It was a territorial marking. <laughs> this is how Blink. This is how Blink claims a producer. You'll never work with anyone again. Oh, you've
0: seen all our dicks now. Sorry, it's,
1: <laughs> it's like signing contracts, but <laughs> penises.
0: Anyway, <laughs> it's always when people get naked that we get weird on this show.
1: <laughs> it's always the way. Oh uh, Jesus! All right. Anyway, uh, the album was released on June first, nineteen ninety nine, <laughs> and it took over the radio and MTV. Overall, it sold fifteen million copies and reached number six on Billboard one hundred. And they had the seller hits of "What's My Age Again." Also known as uh, as the Naked music video where they're running around L.A. I mean, it
0: just is on brand.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it really is. All the small things.
0: Uh, small da-da. things.
1: Mutt and Adam's song. It was a big boy album. It is considered one of the most influential albums of the punk and what would become emo rock of the 2000s. Mm-hmm. One critic described it as enough energy, attitude, and cracking songs here to ensure that Blink will be remembered for more than just onstage nudity mm. <laughs> uh, and off-stage nudity. And off-stage nudity, um, like the succession of influence went from Dookie to Enema State. Oh, uh, that didn't make sense. I'm just gonna no. cut that line. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing. <laughs> I, <laughs> that didn't I didn't make process sense. it. Um, it's how I said it. Anyway. What's also interesting, reading some of the reviews at the time, it seems like pop punk was on the way out and Blink was like, hold on a minute. Gave it another boost. Just wait. Just wait. We haven't hit 2012 yet. No, that's round. We're in round four of it today. Uh, Blink also basically kind of became an overnight success. Uh, They were considered sellouts by the scene, of course, but they were in J14 magazine. Okay. They helped host TRL, Total Request Live, on MTV. And they played their first arena shows. Mm. So they, they just took right off. But the train does not stop here for the band. Let's go to their next album called Take Off Your Pants and Jackets. <laughs> which is... I did not realize until I started writing this that it's a dumb masturbation joke. Oh, my God. I never realized it until now. Me neither. Anyway... Now, this next fact I'm about to say blew my fucking mind. And I already know. I know I'm going to be the only one in this room that this matters to, and I'm at peace with that. I'm also at peace with it that it feels so fucking dumb I didn't know this sooner, and I'm going to get roasted by some Blink fans. I know it. It is what it is. So during the recording of this album, Tom wanted to expand his range and do heavier riffs. But instead of putting it on the record, because it's not really a pop-punk feel, um, him and Travis... Well, it was really just uh, Tom at the moment formed a side project called Boxcar Driver. Mm. I knew them because my brother had this album and I never put the two together, Um, which for those who are wondering, the sound is it's blink on the darkest timeline. That's the only (laughs) way I can describe it. And it's also like the music that helped branch emo rock. Like you just listen to the song. I feel so. It's like lyric is I feel so mad. I feel so angry. That's all you need to know. Now, Travis was brought in because Tom didn't feel like hiring a, a session drummer, but Mark felt like he wasn't, well, he was left out, mm. which he was. But it was, according to Tom, completely accidental. Well, you can't record a whole album in eight hours, so. Yeah, you know. So, it was in no way intentional, but did this cause tension? Absolutely, and we'll get there. But let's go back to this blank album. First off, uh, this album just, has so many slapping hits. Um, But what happens with this album is what I think kind of echoes the critiques of the indie punk scene. When Enema of the State came out, punk fans were saying, you know, they're selling out that the band lost their punk way and went into pop. And the band had, and the band had the attitude of fuck you. We're going to put out the music we want to, but MCA and all the music industry leeches, if you will, attached to Blink just wanted One sound out of them, and that's pop Mm. punk. And there's also a larger discussion about the 90s music industry as a whole and how they stifled creativity for one aesthetic, but that's a topic for another day. But for example, on this album, the band wanted to take their time to form the record they wanted to, but MCA was like not having it. So they actually threatened to penalize them financially if it wasn't out by a particular quarter. Another example was when manager Rick DeVoe came in to hear the first round of songs so far, his critique was pretty much, where's the pop radio single? Mm. And that pissed off Mark and Tom. They said, you know what? You want your fucking single? All right. The cheesiest, catchiest, throwaway fucking summertime single you've ever heard. Oh, no. And they went and wrote rock show and first date with only spending 10 minutes on it, which is ironic because that literally was one of their biggest songs. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I understand it's corporate records, but damn, do I love those songs. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's just the way it is. Um, When the album was released June 12th, 2001, it shot up to number one on the Billboard 200. And by May 2002, it was ready double platinum. Overall, it has sold 14 million copies. So after Take Off Your Pants and Jackets was released and touring had commenced, band felt like it was over and the contention point was why the fuck did Tom start a band bring traffic Travis in Mm. and leave Mark out um but you know Mark was just really jealous of this especially because it was his best friend you know how do you leave your best friend out um the band said they had like hundreds of talks about it and they felt like they could move on however the sound of the band was forever changed because of Boxcar Like, it couldn't help but bleed into Blink's music. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially their next album, which is Untitled. Uh, The band also noted this album was a little bit darker. They played around with different instruments and such. Now, they go to rent out a home in San Diego to record. And they basically recorded Smoked Weed. Um, This is completely unrelated to the story. But according to Tom, there was pay-per-view porn playing continuously. That's a hefty bill. Oh, Oh, just wait. And I have to say, these dudes may have a porn addiction they need to look into in their life. But, you know, who am I other than an armchair psychologist? Um, but according to him, they probably spent $3 million. $3 million? I was just as flabbergasted as you, so you know I did the math. Here's the breakdown. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's assume the average rental is what? 40 bucks. So $3 million divided by 40 bucks. is is 75,000 films, or, or at least 75,000 rentals. Now, I don't think it's that many, so I'm sure there was definitely repeat buys. Then there's 365 days in a year. They were in this rental house for six months. 365 divided by two is 182.5. So if you do 182.5 times 24, that's 4,380 hours. So if you take the 75,000 divided by four. 4380 hours that is roughly 17 hours 17 hours of porn a day that
0: is the entire waking day yes. of their lives you know they're when sleeping. were they recording
1: 17 it's hours it's just going in the back it's background noise at that point yeah pretty much pretty much anyway what the I- fuck? <laughs> you know i had to do the math
0: three million that's why i mean the adult film industry should be thinking them
1: uh, for re- <laughs> they are the reason they exist to the level they do, probably. Yes. Um. Anyway, so back to the story. The untitled album was released on November eighteenth, two thousand three. Their two biggest hits were "Feeling This" and "Miss You," which I still remember the premiere of that music video for "Miss You." Uh, the album hit number three on the Billboard two hundred. It went double platinum, but it left fan split. Um, because you know some were like, "This is not the Blink I know." Some were like. There's no dick jokes. Where's the dick jokes? Gotta have dick jokes. Gotta have dick jokes. Um, But in all seriousness, completely different sound. We're going to fast forward to 2005, where Geffen Records, who has now acquired MCA Records, makes an announcement that the band is going on indefinite hiatus. Well, what happened? Well, lots of time on the road, plus they all became parents, wanted mm. to spend time with their kids, but also there's a lot of, like, growing apart that's happening. Simply put, they weren't getting along, and Tom said, peace. Um, they do a reunion show later down the road, but some crazy things happen between then. First, during most of 2005, Tom is, like, silent. Then in September of that year, he has a new band called Angels and Airwaves.
0: Wait. He's Angels and Airwaves?
1: Yes. You had the same exact reaction I had when I heard he was boxcar driver.
0: My brain is like short circuiting.
1: Yeah. He's Angels and Airwaves.
0: This is life changing information. Continue. <laughs> uh,
1: and Mark and Travis formed their own band called Plus 44. Travis Barker had a show on MTV called Meet the Barkers. <laughs> and Great. Mark goes on to host a podcast, <laughs> which he's ahead of his time. I do have to say. Yeah. What year is this? Uh, Tooth. Probably around 2007 Okay, podcasts were just coming around. It's like
0: him and Pottercast. That's it. Yeah, pretty much. Mugglecast.
1: Mugglecast. But a couple critical events brought the band back together. In August of 2008, Jerry Finn died of a brain hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. Pretty sad. In September of 2008, so a month later, Travis Barker and friend Adam Goldstein were in a serious plane crash. Four people died and they were the only survivors. I have
0: a vague recollection of that.
1: Same. Travis had 16 surgeries along with multiple blood transfusions. Damn. He also suffered second and third degree de burns. De burns, sorry. De burns. Degree burns. Um, Adam Goldstein didn't have as bad as injuries, but he would die the following year from a drug overdose, mm. which is really sad. The band reconvenes at the hospital. And after a few more convos, they're like, you know what? We got to reunite again. So they announce a reunion tour. At the 2009 Grammys. They tour that year. They also would go on to release a sixth studio album called Neighbors. And for about four years, the band did their thing, played some shows, worked on music. But when it came time to the seventh album, Tom seemed a little distracted. So much so that by 2015, Tom would leave the band again and the band would invite Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio to join. So, why was Tom distracted? Because he was working on another side project and this time mm. it's not music, it's aliens. Oh, what? So he helped launch To The Stars, an extraterrestrial foundation. And it's quite the com- career move if you ask me. But I think the most wild thing about this project is Tom DeLong pestered the United States government enough about a video with unidentified flying objects. And he twisted their arm into announcing they did not know what that object was. Is he the reason we have Space Force now? Kinda, yeah. Like, a man who makes dick jokes as part of his career got the Pentagon to announce there was such a thing as UFOs. That's cinema, as our uh, <laughs> friend um, Ethan Simmy would say. I do recommend going on Tom DeLonge's Twitter. It is a great follow, and his content ranges from alien videos to making fun and getting into fights with Elon Musk on Twitter. I think he made a joke about Elon's dick being a slim Jim and that's on brand. (laughs) It was a very funny tweet. Um, uh, but also because he was showing alien videos, I spent 20 minutes on the dark, dark web esque page about an alien called skinny Bob. Very interesting. Um, so as many of you know, their journey as a band is not over in June of 2021. Mark Hoppus knows he has cancer. Luckily, he's cancer-free now, which is fantastic news. But once again, this served as an opportunity for the band to come together. See, their story for me is really heartwarming because despite all the drama, they all really do fucking care about each other. Like, there are some deep bonds, especially between Mark and Tom. And it really shows in, like, moments like these. So it was the cancer diagnosis and the cancer-free announcement that Tom just really wanted to be with his best friend Mark again. So they all went out to Mark's house and they discussed personal issues again, talked everything through. And then last year, it was rumored that Tom would be joining the band again. Matt Skiba said he wasn't sure where he stood with the band. And near the end of 2022, Tom suspiciously updates his Instagram bio to include Blink 182. That's suspicious. That's suspicious. That's weird. And in October 11th the band announces they are back together and they would tour again. It have you ever seen the internet? Have you you've seen that announcement, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the good news there is there's more music coming out. And I'm proud to say I bought tickets to yes. the tour after I wrote this. But as far as for legacy, well, it's still happening. I'm really invested in the Blink saga, mainly because, like I said, there's a really beautiful storyline of friendship. That's there in the midst of dick jokes. Um, But I wanted to end on a really sweet note that Tom wrote to Matt and put it on his Instagram because I think it really shows that bond of friendship and respect for each other. So he said, hi, Matt, Tom DeLonge here. I wanted to take a minute and say thank you for all you have done to keep the band alive and thriving in my absence. I think you are enormously talented. I still love to listen to your band to this day. You have always been so kind to me, not only in the press, but also to others. I really noticed. Emotions between the three of us and Blink have always been complicated, but Mark's cancer really put things in perspective. To be honest, the band would not even be here today if it were not for your ability to jump in and save the day. So from my heart to yours, thank you for being a member of our band. Aw. Isn't that sweet? That is sweet. And that's it. That's blink Blink-182. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, wherever you're listening to this podcast. A special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro riff. You can visit our website at Shuaraki.com. There you'll find links to our socials, show notes, ways to contact us, and a link to our merch store. And remember, don't do drugs.
1: Be a band with an anti-drug message.
0: And don't jump off of high buildings.
1: Yes, please don't.